Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2141. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Westminster with a very special guest by the name of Eric Montrastelli. Eric, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear? And are you ready to release the clutch? That's right, Mark. Let's send it. All right. I love it. Lay, lay some stripes, as they say. Now, before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing that people may not know about you? Oh, you know, I feel like I live this, you know, duality in my life, you know, IT nerd by day and ultra car enthusiast by night. So it's a little <laughs> bit of Bruce Wayne and Batman. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. But yeah, I come from, uh, I guess, a long line of grassroots car enthusiasts, you know, uh, it, and it stems going back to my grandfather, who was actually a chauffeur for the Belgian ambassador here in the United States. And that's where my dad got hooked in cars. Oh. And then I got it through my dad. Wow, what a job. That must be very interesting. Think about people that are chauffeurs of, well, anybody as they sit up there and they just listen and the stories that they hear (laughs) that they can never share. But the stories that they hear, uh, I'm sure, are quite fascinating, especially uh, carting an ambassador around. So not only that, but the chauffeur back in those days, especially in the, the 50s and 60s, they were responsible not only for driving the ambassador around, but taking care of the vehicle its maintenance and the look of the car, right? Making sure it was clean and detailed. So there was a lot to that job of being a chauffeur. Yeah, I was, uh, where was I? Oh, I was down in Orange County and there was a line of Uber cars I was waiting. And there was a guy I noticed at the end of the line, all of the other folks were just sitting in their cars and he was out uh, speed shining or, you know, quick detailing his car. And I'm thinking, I want to get in that guy's car. You know, he has some pride of ownership and, and lo and behold, I was, I got in, he had a a water bottle there waiting for me. He was very professional and I made some comments to him and he just smiled and yeah, so a little pride of ownership. Love it. So let me give you a proper introduction. Eric Montrastelli owns Grand Touring Motorsports, an online website where he and his team of exceptional riders spread the motorsport enthusiasm. He is the producer and co-host of the Break Fix podcast where he and his co-host Brad Novak spent years in racing, wrenching, and motorsports, tuning that experience into a top-notch collection of stories and information, and GTM and Brake Fix was born. Each week, Brad and Eric interview motorsports and automotive enthusiasts sharing their stories and their enthusiasm. Why? Well, they like to say because everyone has a story. And I'm honored to be a guest in the future on their show. So I look forward to sharing that with you listeners. Uh, when the show pops up, we'll have some fun, Eric. Before we start with the show, a word from our sponsors, so give them a little love. They're the reason we're here today, and we'll be right back. Buckle up. The most damaging thing to your vehicle's interior isn't that drink your kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harsh UV rays damage your interior over time. They crack your dash. They fade the colors inside your car. And the heat makes getting into your favorite ride downright unbearable. My friends at Covercraft have the perfect solution for you. Their sunscreens are easy to use. They take seconds to install. And they protect your vehicle while parked in the harsh sun. 
They fold up easily and store away for those times you don't want to use your car cover. I have one for every one of my vehicles, and you should too. They come in a variety of colors and options, feature an accordion design that makes unfolding and folding them up a breeze. Want to give a gift that keeps on giving? Buy a sunscreen for your family members and your friends. They're custom made and fit almost any vehicle. Check out Covercraft.com for a huge number of styles, colors, and options that you're sure to love. And I've got a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH120, that's Y-E-A-H-120 at Covercraft.com, you get 10% off your Covercraft order. Go to Covercraft.com and use the code YEAH120 at checkout, and you've got a deal. That's Covercraft.com. Use the code YEAH120 at checkout. Covercraft, they've got you covered. Get your sunscreen today. You'll thank me for it later. Last year, I changed my collector car coverage to American Collectors Insurance. But did you know they also insure your valuable collections of automobilia and other collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. They insure a lot of items, including automobilia, wine, baseball cards, books, figurines, die-cast models, model trains, glassware, sports memorabilia, toys, and a whole lot more. American Collectors Insurance, they've been protecting us enthusiasts since 1976. They provide you with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a long history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Rains here at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. You listeners know that I'm a huge car care fanatic, and my friends at AutoGeek created their Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant for perfectionists like you and me. Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is designed to provide long-lasting protection and a glossy, slick finish that, well, it's unmatched. The use of polymer technology ensures your paint is protected from environmental contaminants, those damaging UV rays, and lasts up to three months long. By providing the glossy look of carnauba wax with the longevity of a synthetic formula, Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is the best of both worlds. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. So, Eric, let's uh, dive a little deeper in the corner. You mentioned in the intro that you were kind of a Bruce Wayne, one thing at night, one thing during the day. Uh, I want to touch a little bit on your day job before we get into Grand Touring Motorsports and Break Fix Podcast and why you guys started this. But what's your day job? What do you do? You said you're into IT? That's right. So, I guess maybe another little known fact, I actually started in web development when the web was new. So, you know, when you look back over the history of IT, that wasn't that long ago, right? We're talking the early to mid 90s. And as an aspiring developer, one of the things I wanted to do was be always obviously involved in the automotive world. How do I bridge those two together? I got involved with the local DC area car clubs. So 
chapters of the Porsche Club, SCCA and others. And I started reaching out and they go, hey, that kid, he's he's got some skills. He can write code. He's doing this web development stuff. Do you want to run the club website, which we're now in the process of building? I said, sure, I'll try that. You know, and like with everything, it's all iterative, right? You go through these cycles, you go through these periods. What we built in the 90s is very different than what we build now in the 2020s, way more complicated by in today's standards. That said, that propelled me into those worlds. I ended up working for Audi Club nationally. I ended up working for, I was the Porsche Club national webmaster for many, many years. So worked in those environments and that allowed me to network with other people. That allowed me to meet a lot of other people and see different parts of the automotive enthusiast world from behind the screen per se, you know, from behind, behind the curtain and then learn where did I want to take that? Where do I want to go with this? So I've always sort of tried to bridge the IT world with the automotive world that got me into the timing and scoring. I was, I wrote my own software for that and supported many autocross organizations over the years. That also led to a passion for autocross, which then got me into time trials. And I've been a trialer for many years. That also led me into coaching. I've been a high performance driver's education coach for 10 years, but I've always found a way to give back, to drive back, but also loop in technology and GTM, Grand Touring Motorsports, when we brought it through its, I guess, third iteration, right? It's been through several evolutions over the last 20 years. We started a car club out of it at a social, you know, a social group of enthusiasts. And we got together and we leveraged technology. We're all technophiles. A lot of us came from the Department of Defense. And jokingly, people referred to us as the car club of the DOD. But we were always (laughs) very tech heavy. And so, you know, complicated custom code and this and that. And, you know, we started virtual racing and built this whole scoring engine, all this kind of stuff. So for me, IT was my vocation, but cars have always been my passion. And I've always found a way to blend the two together. You know, this is a wonderful mix. And that's exactly what I was going to say. It sounds like you found a way to mix those two and create something that evolves around your passion, but you can handle it. When I started doing my podcast, I had to figure out all this techie stuff because I was running a business and had all these people to do it. And oh, at first it was a bit of a challenge because I don't come from that world, but it's getting easier versus going way back to the days you were coding because I ventured into that coding sandbox, I call it. I don't like it very much. It's, <laughs> it's a scary place. You can really mess some things up, but it's kind of interesting. So I love how you develop this into what you guys are doing, a Grand Touring Motorsports and Brave fix podcast let's focus on gtm first what exactly in your guys world is that for the person listening that maybe hasn't found you guys yet and how do they interact with that what are you guys doing with it yeah so gtm as it stands today in its eighth year in its current iteration so like i said it's gone through several evolutions Mm -hmm. if you go back 20 years ago we started as grand touring audi and a lot of the content there was actually merged into the audi club so that exists in its new form over there then we spun off and became this parts distributor company that my dad ran under the same name catering to the volkswagen audi and porsche community specifically for track drivers autocrossers high performance people supplying them with you know uh, new control arms and brake pads and rotors and all the stuff they needed to keep the track cars going weekend after weekend. And then after my dad passed away about 10 years ago now, we were kind of sitting around talking and Brad and I go back 20 plus years because we were in high school together. And he said, and he said, you know, we can leverage technology, like I mentioned, to keep 
all of us budding track rats together and not go to the track alone. That was one of our things. You never want to go to these events by yourselves. You want to go with friends. It makes it more enjoyable. You have all these stories, all these adventures that you go on. And so we started leveraging that and it started to grow. And so we built this car club. Now, granted, there's car clubs all over the place, but they're super specific, right? You have the Porsche club and the BMW club. And then you got the guys that I'm the Ford Fiesta club of New England. Okay, great. We looked at ourselves as what we call non-denominational petrol heads. We were (laughs) accepting of everybody. You got a Miata, you got a GTI, you got a Porsche. It's all good. The idea was, are you here to promote motorsports and the enthusiasm behind it. How do we get young people involved? How do we give back to the community? So initially, we were comprised of a lot of racers and instructors. And our way of giving back was getting in the right seat, working with people, cultivating, you know, our experiences and things like that. So that also led us to sit down and go, well, why don't we share some of these stories with other folks? So we started writing. We wrote over 300 articles wow. in the first six years that GTM as it exists today. And it could have been on anything, weekend recaps, field trips we were taking, reviewing you know, a movie or a documentary that came out. We just wanted to share our experience and our knowledge with other people. And the podcast, Break Fix, had always been on the back burner for a while. The joke in Break Fix, it's, it's not even the build, break, fix, repeat that everybody tends to use over and over again. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the relationship that Brad and I have. He tends to break things, and <laughs> I was always fixing his cars. So <laughs> that's where that comes from. Nice. But what we decided in 2020, because of COVID, a lackluster you just motorsports year altogether, whether it was on the professional stage or the grassroots stage, we looked at each other and said, everybody's at home right now. Nobody really wants to read a A lot of our members in the club had said, you know, it would be really nice if we could hear these stories, right? Do you guys want to talk about them? And we sat on that for a while. And then again, COVID hits. Brad looks at me and goes, you think we should do it? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. And then his next question was, do you think anybody cares what we have to say? And I'm like, I I think they do. I really do. And obviously, we look up to folks like yourself as a mentor. You've been in this business forever. And we're like, yeah, we got to get these stories out there because we realize that motorsports, especially on the grassroots level, is very transient. It's a sport of convenience, not necessarily of loyalty. And there's some great adventures out there. There's some stories that, hey, do you remember when Pat was talking about blah or when this happened or that happened? And then three years later, people are going, what happened to Pat? Do you remember when Pat was coming to events? So again, we want to capture that. And so the podcast was born 2020. And we've been going strong ever since just aggressively, you know, getting these stories out there and getting them in front of people. Some of the things that I wish I knew, you know, what Andy Pilgrim's background story was. Well, you know, that episode's out there, too, if that's what you're interested in. Right. No, it's fantastic. It's interesting how COVID so radically changed everything, but it did spur some growth in different areas. I saw a lot more unique downloads as we measure so-called subscribers in the podcast world happen during COVID because people just had more time. I think is the reason why if you say they were stuck at home or uh, perhaps they were diverted from other things they were doing. So I love that you guys did this and being in the podcast world has been so enjoyable to me because I get to bring inspiring people like you aboard to share stories with people that are maybe doing what they don't like. And they go, wow, okay, Eric, Brad, they figured out how to do this and they just did it. And is that in your guys case and you're an IT expert, but just stepping into it and doing it? Is that the key to moving forward on these projects? So 
Yes and no, right? <laughs> so a lot of folks that we talk to, because we do have friends that are in this world and they, they do podcasts in different genres, right? Genres that I would say are easier. Maybe it's TV and movie. Maybe it's true crime. I mean, those are always the popular ones. Mm-hmm. And they always say, you know, just like we say at the track, oh, just send it. You know, once the wall falls over, your subscribers will come and this and that. And, and it's not that easy, right? No, it's not that it's simple. Not. <laughs> the hardest part, honestly, is the business development part. In the beginning, you get a lot of no's because who are you? Why are you? I don't know who you are. It's the people that took a chance on you. Those are our season one guests, right? Just like you have, I'm sure, in your long list of folks that have been on the show. It was harder in the beginning. Now, oh, so-and-so was on. Well, I'm friends with them. And it becomes that whole you know system of everybody knows everybody. And, and it becomes easier. So the recording with the guests isn't the hardest part. That's actually maybe the easier part is having that conversation. The next hardest part is after the fact. It's what you choose to do with the content, how you choose to relay the story, how you get it out there. Are you going to spend the time editing? You know, that's for me where the technology comes in again. I enjoy that editing part. You know, Brad calls it the editing magic. He's not as involved in that side of it as he is the business development side and doing the research into our guests and things well, like that. Well, that's because he might break it, you know, if you let him <laughs> I got to fix it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I I enjoy that side. <laughs> but there's there's a lot to it, you know, just kind of recording it and sticking it out there. That's one way of doing it. But it really depends just like a car. What is it you want to get out of it? You know, when you buy that Porsche or you buy that Ferrari, what is it you're choosing to do with it? Is it just going to be the cars and coffee car or are you going to spend time modifying it and making it a track weapon? So we look at the podcast. We look at the articles that we're writing. We look at GTM in the same way. It's this iterative evolution process. And it's the same mentality that we take when we're modifying our track cars. Yeah, it's very cool. I like the way all this is is tying together, which is really, really nice. So if somebody wanted to be involved with GTM side of your business, do you accept people who have something they want to share and write? Does it work that way? Or do you solely write all the stories? So absolutely. We're we're always looking for people to come and contribute to, let's say, the media side of the house, which is going to be the journalism and podcast side. We're always looking for references. We're always looking for guests. If you're interested in coming and writing for us, we do have a small writing team. They're not as active as they used to be because a lot of the bloggers that we had have transferred now over to sub-series on the podcast, and they enjoy it as well. So you still see the Mountain View, which is run by our one of our members. We call him Mountain Man Dan. We have the drive-through series, which my sister took over, which is our monthly news episode. Then we have, you know, interviews with drivers and and people in industry and things like that. There's always a follow on article that goes with that. But there are other ways to get involved with GTM. So we also have what we call the clubhouse where you can become a member of GTM and, you know, mix it up with other track rats, autocrossers, rally drivers, and these folks. So if you're looking to go to an event, especially here on the East Coast, because we travel far and wide, and you're like, hey, I'm going to be at Carolina Motorsports Park. Anybody from GTM going? Yeah, we're going to be there. Let's all paddock together. You know, let's share resources. Are you bringing the jack? Oh, I've got the cooler. You know, all that kind of stuff. You can also contribute into another product that we have called NIMSA, which is the National Motorsports Safety Association. So if you're a sanctioning body, you want to get your rules out there, you want to share, we've built this single resource for different disciplines of motorsport where you can share your rules, your regs, lessons learned, things like that, because we do want to continue to perpetuate safety in motorsports. And there's a lot of different disciplines that are not 
up to par with others. There's a lot of difference between, let's say, dirt track racing than there is the time trials world or HPDE or autocross. So we're trying to normalize all that, get the information out to people in a, in a central resource. So if you nerd out on that kind of stuff, we're looking for that. We also have another product that we put out there called Paddock Pal. It's a trackside assistant. The idea there is to correlate all this data together, not only just, you know, how to get your fastest lap time, how to attack turn one at summit point. It's about the experience, right? When I go to VIR, I go to Watkins Glen, what are my expectations? What are the amenities? What's the camping like? You know, what are things to do when I'm there for the weekend? You know, again, spreading that enthusiasm because it's not just us going by ourselves or with our friends. It's our wives, our kids, our spouses, our significant others. What do we do with them when we're in the middle of Watkins Glen, New York, right? What are there are things to do other than watch the cars go around and do laps. So we've got other things like that where people can get involved in our organization. So whether you want to be a writer, you want to be in the club, you want to participate in safety, you want to work on Paddock Pal, we've got something for everybody. So my question is, when the heck do you sleep? Uh, not very much. <laughs> wow. I mean, uh, holy cow. You guys have so many parts to this uh, magical machine here. Lots of gears and valves going up and down and pistons and all this kind of thing. Uh, very cool. We're really proud of what you're doing. I mean, an immense amount of work and pieces. And But the best part is what I've learned after eight years of being a podcaster is it really is about the people. Yes. Cars are just a catalyst. So I like to ask my guests about driving inspirations, people who are key mentors, influential people in your lives that have helped you become who you are today. Is there somebody like that in your world? I'd like to thank the Academy. But <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my fellow podcasters. <laughs> exactly. Obviously, I would I thank my parents for instilling a hard work ethic in me. I mean, I come from an immigrant family, so we all, we've always had that roll up our sleeves tenacity. If something needs to get done, you buckle down and you do it. So I bring that to every project that we work on, whether it's in my personal life or if it's within GTM, things like that. But within, if we just focus in on the podcasting community alone, I'd like to give some shout outs to a couple of people that I'm very thankful for working for. Obviously, we look to you, Mark, at Cars Yeah as an oh. inspiration. You're the godfather of these car related podcasts. Well, I don't know about that, but I, I'm very kind of you to say that. Thank you. But on top of that, you know, I look to our friends, Stephen Izzy out in California who run everything I learned from movies, right? They have been on the air for many, many years like yourself. And they came to our rescue and said, this is how you guys do it. This is how you get it done. You know, we don't know the car world. And every time we need help or we ask for something, they're the first ones to say yes. And they've been awesome. Mm. A shout out to Brian Stever over at Take Two Podcast. We went to school with him as well. And he started many years ago. And he, and he was one of those people that said, guys, stop overthinking this. Stop being the analytical engineers that you are. Yeah. Knock the wall over and get it done. I also got to thank Don Weberg over at Garage Style Magazine. He's been a huge influence. You know, he, he knows a lot of people and he's a great resource when it comes to, you know, getting over the writer's block. How do mm. you talk to these people? Things like that. And an inspiration as well for me has also been Chuck Bennett over at Zymal. I mean, talk about a parallel story in a way. He started in IT. He found his way out. He was able to become a scientist and become passionate about car care and things like that. And I look up to Chuck. His story is inspirational and we, we have it on our show. And I want to be like Chuck, right? I want to figure out how do I stop doing IT? How do I do this car thing for real, you know, as my day job and, yeah. and things like that. So those have been people that have been extremely influential in the last two years, you know, getting us off the blocks and getting us to where we are now. 
Very nice. Well, both Don, Don's a friend of mine, and Chuck as well. I've known him way back when I was at Grails. We competed, of course, against Zymol, but they started before uh, we started Grails Garage and developed the car care line. And yeah, he he developed a very interesting, unique brand, uh, really kind of a masterful job, uh, what he did with how he put his product into a special container made it very unique and special and all that so great to have wonderful people around you we're going to take a short break and thank our sponsors we come back i'm going to ask you about what i call the challenge question so keep your seatbelt cinched tight and we'll be right back jim canova is a past guest here on cars yeah and he's detailed over eight thousand vehicles and that kind of professional experience leads to innovation he was tired of uncomfortable stools and creepers and being down on his knees when detailing cars. So as a result, Jim thought, you know what, there must be a better way. And he invented the Bumby Seat. His unique design gets you off your knees and your bum onto a far more comfortable seating position for all your low-level automotive detailing. The Bumby Seat, with its patented full-flat design, allows you to adjust your position to the task at hand. Convenient side trays hold your car care products, tools, cloths, or a tasty beverage. Built for the toughest driveways and garage tasks, the Bumby Seat has wheels that roll easily over almost any surface, and it makes a great around-the-home adjustable stool for hobbies, yard work, or take it to the car show. The full-flat design makes storage a breeze. Jim has launched an Indiegogo fundraiser, and you can get in on the start of what's sure to be an industry favorite. Go to Indiegogo.com and type in Bumby Seat, that's B-U-M-B-E-E, Seat, to be one of the first in line to start improving your automotive detailing experience today. That's Bumby Seat on the Indiegogo.com website. A fun folding mobile seat design. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe, that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand-mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. And their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. 
Boom. Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So the challenge question, this is really more about the lesson learned from a big challenge. Maybe it's a big failure. Uh, so walk us through a little tough time on the track since you're a track track jockey, I guess as I could say. Uh, and tell us how you overcame that and what it taught you. One of the constant challenges for any high-performance driving instructor is that we have to adapt on the fly. And what I mean by that is we're presented with all different sorts of people that come from different maybe disciplines of motorsport or have zero experience, what we call never-nevers, weekend after weekend. So you don't know really ahead of time the type of personality or the type of person you're going to be sitting in the right seat with on that, you know, Saturday morning or Sunday. I often joke that, you know, I go into any track weekend with the Klingon battle cry, you know, today's a good day to die. But <laughs> oh, that's gosh. how I psych that's how I psych myself up. But in reality, what I've learned from my students is how to become a better educator, how to become a better communicator. And that mm -hmm. translates into other things, you know, being super concise. You don't have a lot of time on track. But more importantly, I also took from the DOD customers that I work with, especially the Marines, it's a philosophy of adapt and overcome. I have to be very quick on my feet, learn how these people are learning. You know, are they a kinesthetic learner? Are they a visual learner, an auditory learner, all these kinds of things, and then adapt my style to them to make sure that not only are we safe, but they're learning, they're growing, they're having fun, and they want to come back. Mm. So that's always a struggle for every instructor. And it comes with time. It comes with time in the right seat, not necessarily time in the driver's seat. I don't know how you guys do that. I I had this idea. I wanted to race cars way back when. I bought an E36 M3, and I went to a driver's instructor's day with BMW Club. Uh, I think it was actually down in Portland, but we have a great track here. Actually, a couple of them, and about a third one coming up here. And I just remember jumping into the car with that guy, and I thought about that. I went, man, this guy's brave to get into a car with complete strangers. He has no idea what they're about to do. And get them around the tra track safely and himself uh, at the end of the day and be happy. And so my hat's off to you for that. I love the correlation to the Marines, DOD, and, and how you got to act on your feet, because I assume there's always the hot shoe in That's every right. group who thinks he knows way more than he does. And just because he brought the fastest car doesn't mean he knows what the heck he's doing, because sometimes those are the guys to be most afraid of, right? And, and the learning moment comes there when they're forced to give a point by to a Miata that's been dogging them for over a lap. <laughs> yeah, a little humility uh, gets built into the, the equation. Yeah, I did that. I decided I started riding bikes again and I went to the track with a motorcycle group and I had a bike I should not have been on. It was a very fast MV Agusta F4. And we went out and I, I was being very careful because I knew I didn't have the skill sets. And I realized very quickly the way they had posed this event was not what it was. It was supposed to be a beginner thing. And there were guys out there that were far from that and they were passing left right and they'd go by me and bump my shoulder i'm like what is going on here and i think that's the other part of it is to know when to get off the track and go okay this isn't right this isn't working how do you work with people like that that get out there and then realize i don't think i should be here is there a way you kind of work with them to get them back out to give them the confidence that okay we'll take a different approach 
Yeah. So around the country, there are sanctioning bodies that certify instructors, especially for high performance drivers education or HPDE for short. Some of those include the SECA, NASA, the Motorsport Safety Foundation and, and other organizations like that. So we go through rigorous boot camps, much like the club racers do when they're you know getting their driver's licenses for track racing and whatnot. So we go through that. We also go through recertification year after year. And what we do is we work on use cases, right? Some of the classic ones are the timid driver. There's the engineer who overanalyzes things, and then there's the overly aggressive driver. So those are the three big ones, and then you kind of go in between those. So we're trained to deal with that, adapt with that, different techniques, emergency situations, what happens if somebody passes out behind the wheel, all those kinds of things. So it's sort of on par with the Department of State training sometimes where, <laughs> yeah. you know, things like that. But it's it's a great experience, but it also teaches you a lot about your own driving because you start to analyze the mistakes that the newbies are making. So you grow while they grow. But in the beginning, it's tough and there's a lot of mentoring going on. So as a senior instructor myself, I take on, you know, instructor candidates every year and work with them, you know, put them in difficult situations, get them out of their comfort zone. You know, if it's a front wheel drive guy, I'm going to stick you in a high horsepower, you know, Viper because I want you to be uncomfortable, but you need to learn one of the greatest things that I think Hans Stuck bestowed to us grassroots drivers, which is the best tool you have behind the wheel is what you're sitting on. And so these guys need to learn how to drive by feel. And as an instructor, if you can't do that, you can't instruct because you don't, you can't anticipate what the car is doing ahead of time. I never thought about somebody passing out. Oh my gosh, that's got to be horrifying. That, has that ever happened to you? It has not happened to me, but it has happened to other instructors. We've had people have heart attacks. I mean, there's oh, been some unfortunate gosh. situations. Wow. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Well, I like to ask people about bucket list looking few, looking forward because racing is much about that, looking way down the track, not just what's in front of you. It's akin to life. You should always be looking way down the track. It sounds like to me, you may have already answered this question. How to transition out of full-time IT into what you're doing now. Is that that's your your goal looking forward? It is because I have to think about, you know, what is what's my retirement job look like? I've been in IT a long time. And, you know, some of these careers for folks, you know, we go through evolutions. Oh, you know, you hear about it as an example. Andy Pilgrim, you know, he's one of my heroes. He didn't become a factory driver until he was 40 years old. And here he is at 64 and he's still out there racing. But before that, he was a programmer. He was also in IT. He ran his own company, you know, things like that. So I asked him on the show, you know, how did you make that transition? And, and he walks us through that journey. But I look at that as well. But there's something beyond that. If we kind of hone in on the bucket list for for the podcast itself for Break Fix, we have this you know vision board in in the in the writers room, and we talk all the time. We call it Mount Everest, right? Who's at the summit? Who's at base camp? You know, and, and in between. And for me, at the top of our Mount Everest vision board, I would love to sit down with kind of two two guests, and I guess one's a pair and one she's by herself. I would love to interview one of my heroes as I grew up in the Group B era, and that would be Michelle Mouton from Audi. And on the other side of that, sort of in line with that, keeping with the Audi theme, I would also love to sit down and talk Trans Am and IMSA with Hurley and Hans. I oh, think yeah. that would just be a fantastic conversation. So for yeah. me, that's the summit of Mount Everest. Very cool. I love it. So we're going to talk about your special vehicle, a car that you've had that really stands out for you. Take us on a little ride. I mean, I've had a lot of cars over the years. We actually did an episode about this called Regrets in the Desert Island, you know, the one that got <laughs> away and things like that. Yes. 
But I think the better answer to this is the experiences I've had with my heroes, because I throw it out there and I know it's a con I'm a hypocrite when I say this, never drive your heroes. It's like meeting a celebrity yeah. in Hollywood, right? Never meet your celebrity because you're going to get your heart broken. And I think the same is true of some of the vehicles I've owned and the vehicles I've driven because I've driven a lot of them. And what, I'll start with one I owned. I, I went, when I was in college, I drove an 83 Audi Quattro Coupe, right? A UR nice. Quattro, right? Yeah. You know, homologated rally car, you know, the only one in the state, I think, things like that. And it was, you know, it was a head turn. People ask me all the time, why are you driving that old car? And I'm like, just look at it. It's super cool. <laughs> yeah. But it came with its gremlins. It came with its shortcomings. You know, the fantasy I had of the car that Michelle drove, you know, up Pikes Peak was not the car I was driving every day. It was right. riddled with issues, you know, things like that. And I, and I, you know, never drive your heroes. And then here I go, smoking in the Bandit Trans Am, 930 Turbos, Renault Turbo 2, Vipers, you know, and I'm just, I, I'm like so excited to drive them. And I walk away from them and I go, oh, that was just a regrettable experience. So yeah. <laughs> those are the special vehicles. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And those old Audis, you know, we, we had one in our family. Oh my gosh, what a horror. Uh, they've come a long way now, but uh, yeah. What was that? 100 LS. My parents bought and it stranded us in the middle of the desert over Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. So I'm going to be your car psychologist. I'm going to crawl into your skull a little bit here, Eric. If you were reincarnated, pun intended, manifest as a vehicle, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a vehicle, what would you be? But more importantly, why? Well, since I talked about that duality in my life, there's two cars that come to mind. One of which is a car that has kept me passionate about cars for the longest time. Ever since it was introduced, the Ferrari F40 mm. has been that car. It's the poster on the wall. It's the temptress, right? It's what yes. has kept me excited. It's just so raw. It's just so perfect. I mean, people will take issue with it. Oh, well, the F50 is better. Oh, well, the Enzo, the FXX. But the F40 is what started it all. And I kind of <laughs> look at it, it built the new empire of Ferrari, right? It's that point in which everything changed. Yes. They were building cars to a certain point. The F40 came along and so on. So I look at it as a representation of my life as well. Like we're talking about it now as that evolution from the IT nerd doing web and working with the car clubs. And now here we are doing the podcast. So the F40 is, is that point for me. But then I also see the other side of it. And I'm very much like the DeLorean where it gets your attention. Everybody talks about it, but sometimes took too long to get there. It was overcomplicated. It was this, it was that. There's mystique, there's story behind it. And so I view my life in the same way, right? It took a minute to get there. There was a struggle to get there. There was a lot of things that built up and culminated to that moment to when the DeLorean was born. And then there's the ethos behind it. So I see myself in both camps in the same way I see myself in two different camps in real life. Very interesting answer to that question, but I like it. It makes a world of sense yeah the f40 yeah be careful never drive your heroes as i say <laughs> exactly so, yeah exactly so how about a great read a great book uh you're a writer so i assume you probably like to read i do and we've interviewed a few authors on the show and one of the books that has taken me aback i mean I could list off things like Colin Chapman, The Man and His Machines by Cromback. Fantastic book if you want to get under the hood of Lotus. On a clear day, you can see GM, right? The story that John DeLorean dictated to Patrick Wright about what was going on behind the scenes of GM in the 70s and why he left and started DeLorean. Great read. You've got The Unfair Advantage by Mark Donahue, you know, things like that. But another yeah. book that really stood out and was a, the author was a guest on our show was Little Anton 
which is written by John W. Warner IV, famed for being the son of Senator John Warner from Virginia. His stepmother was Elizabeth Taylor, you know, all the things behind that. A a real-life Bruce Wayne, if you think about it. But the story he crafted around the Portia family, you know, bringing in these aspects of these, you know, fictitious characters and blending in, you know, Hans Stuck Sr. and what was going on during World War II and all these kinds of things. He created this entire world in a series of four books. And it's it's absolutely captivating. And if you're in any sort of way a historian or an automotive enthusiast, it brings it all together in not a dry way, in an exciting way. It's like this Indiana Jones type of tempo to the books. And I can't recommend that enough. So check out Little Anton. And there's also a podcast that goes along with that called Beyond Little Anton. And you can hear from John Warner's perspective, you know, why he wrote the book, how he developed the characters uh, and all that. And then we featured him on our show as well. Very cool. Uh, I've had hundreds of authors and over 2,500 books recommended. Nobody's ever recommended that book. So bravo, Eric, for bringing something new to the car show. A recommended guest list, book guest list, a lineup. I love it. So I'm going to enable you to go on the ultimate drive. This could get a little scary. I'm going to buy you any vehicle. You can take it anywhere and you can be with anyone, even somebody He's not with us anymore, which opens up a world of interesting options. Where are you going to go? Who are you going to go with? And uh, what are you going to be driving? All right. So we're going to go to Brands Hatch in the UK. <laughs> nice. One of my bucket list tracks. And who will be with me? Sir Jackie Stewart, who is mm. still alive. He's still yep. with us. Yep. What will we be driving? It's a toss-up between the original Renault Sport Clio or the new Megane RS, because I have to drive a French car at some point in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And I would be driving, not Sir Jackie Stewart, and I would appreciate it if he was coaching me. And at the same time, kind of inner, we would be talking about his origin and things like that. And the reason I picked Sir Jackie Stewart is early in my coaching career as an, as an HPD instructor, I happened upon an episode of Top Gear where Sir Jackie Stewart was coaching James May and it all clicked for me at that moment. I learned a lot from that. I picked up a lot of his style. I call that my Sir Jackie Stewart mode, especially when I'm working with advanced drivers. He's very direct. You know, he's driving the car from the right seat. I love that. I don't yeah. do that with my beginners, but I would love him to coach me at Brands Hatch, you know, on his turf uh, in a French car. <laughs> You know, this is a very cool answer, Eric, and it's something that I learned a long time ago is uh, hang out with people that are a lot better than you because you can learn a lot more from them. And that's pretty cool. You being a higher level coach, if you will, and having somebody like that who's way up there in the racing world, obviously, be your coach uh, just gives me a little inclination of who you are that you can always learn. That's right. Always get better. It's great. You've taken us on a wonderful drive today, and I I can't thank you enough for for reaching out and being my guest here. I can't wait to be a guest on your show. This has been really great. And I get to meet Brad, of course. Before I let you go, could you share maybe an inspirational thought, some words of wisdom for our listeners? Yeah. So it goes back to the title of our show, Break Fix. I mean, jokingly, you know, I said it refers to Brad and I, but more importantly, it refers to a racer's mantra that you hear around the paddock all the time. Run it until it's broken. Then you know what needs to be fixed. <laughs> and people are like, what do you what do you mean by that exactly? And it's actually something that I've translated for my daughters. And I tell them all the time as they're growing up, stop being afraid of what could go wrong and start being excited for what could go right. 
So if you compare those two phrases, they're exactly the same thing. And so that's what we tell people all the time. Just go out there and send it. Have fun. Safety first. Learn. The speed will come. It's all a building process. It's all a learning process. And to your point from before, I'm very much about never stop learning. So if I could pass on one piece of wisdom, I think it's those two things, the racer's mantra or the other one, because you can incorporate that into your everyday life, into your career. You know, stop complaining, stop worrying, stop stressing about so many things that could go wrong. You know, the things that are keeping you from being successful, get excited about what could go right and what doors that will open up and what what that will lead you to next. Powerful words of inspiration. Yeah, absolutely. Not easy to do, but it's doable. And just knowing you can do it is what makes the difference. I love it. Fantastic. How can people learn more about Grand Touring Motorsports and Break Fix Podcast? So really easily, you can jump over to www.gtmotorsports with an S. That's G as in Grand, T as in Touring, motorsports.org. Or you can search for the show, Break Fix, by either Grand Touring or Break Fix on all your favorite podcatchers or music apps, whichever you prefer. And check out the 135 plus episodes we already have published with a ton more coming with awesome guests. We're also supported by way of Patreon. So if you're looking to help us out, you know, you were talking about giving back and being involved in GTM, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. I love it. Podcatchers. Is that what you said? Podcatchers. Podcatchers. Yep. I like that. Very cool. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to our mutual friend, Don Weberg, for introducing me to Eric. Don, hey, thank you. Uh, Don, I've known for a long time. Uh, He supports me. I try my best to support him the best I can. So that's very, very cool. Eric, hey, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise and sharing your experience. Really proud of what you guys are doing. Can't wait to be on your show and meet Brad. Uh, Tremendous bit of juggling you're doing in your life. My hats off to you, my friend, because this is this is not an easy feat, what you and I do. And you've added a lot more complexity to your life. So bravo to you. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road or on Break Fix Podcast. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. This was fun. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.